I love a good rescue story. How about you? Like just a great rescue. You're just you're tense and on edge, and it's in our DNA to love rescue stories. Like if you just go back to stories before Christ, BC, you will see history of hundreds of years of stories about great rescues, fables and true stories that we love to recount. Damsels in distress that get rescued and Lois Lane gets rescued all the time by Superman and just like we love that. Rapunzel and King Kong and Cinderella and every single Hallmark movie is a rescue story pretty much, right? He or she are in distress with the wrong person, with the wrong direction in life, lonely, and they're going to be bailed out, and somebody's going to come in, either a mother or a best friend or a brother, and they're going to find them their rescue out of where they're at. Many of us, I'm sure, feel like we need to be rescued. There's just that sense, especially the last few years. have been difficult years. Would you agree with that? They've been hard. They've been hard for a lot of people. I mean, therapists are coming out now with data and explaining that this this had an effect on people's psyche. By the way, therapists are book solid for many of them weeks, if not months in advance, because they're finding that it's been a, a cut a thousand times that has caused this trauma in our soul. And there are people complaining that they have difficulty sleeping, short-term memory loss, sometimes long-term memory loss, anger, brain fog, a sense of fatalism and doom, and we don't know why, but it's it's just there. Many of us feel that, but I want to give you some good news today. God is in the restoration business. He restores the heart, he restores the soul, and he restores your mind. He has come to restore you. We can say that. He's in it. One of my favorite great Rescue Stories has just happened not that many years ago. They actually made a movie about it. You probably know it. You ever heard of Captain Phillips and the Maersk, Alabama vessel? Was taken captive by Somali pirates. Like People didn't think piracy still exists. By the way, there's over 100 piracies a year at sea still. So the Somalis boarded it. Four of them came on heavily armed. There was 23 uh, captain and crew on board the vessel. There was a skirmish between the four pirates and 20 crew members, and they, they, the skirmish was tough. Some people got injured, and so at the very uh, thought of it, the pirates said, it's better that we take the captain hostage and put him on a lifeboat, and they took him off the vessel, left the crew on there, and took him, Captain Phillips, off. Uh, what they didn't realize is that they had taken an American-flagged vessel It's the first time in 200 years that any pirate had even attempted to board and to capture an American vessel. And I guess we didn't like it very much. And so instantly, uh, the Bainbridge um, destroyer of US military great strength was not far in the area and they came full steam ahead, full knots all the way to come to the rescue of Captain Phillips and the crew. And so the destroyer came, and behind that destroyer were three more. And when they reached the pirates, they put their lights on full blast, and they made the sound, and the pirates didn't like it. It was like full action lights. Oh, my, what have we done? They expressed their anger. 
took them by surprise. What they didn't know is that the Bainbridge had already called Navy SEALs that were nearby in Somalia working, and they had flown them over and dropped them into the dark of night. And they didn't know that the White House had decided to have SEAL Team 6, the elite team, the ones who later would have uh, captured and killed Saddam Hussein, that they were in Virginia at the time, and they flew them all the way from Virginia, fueled in the air, and landed them in the dark of night, dropped them high from the sky so they would be undetected, and brought those SEALs in to do their work. The SEALs boarded the Bainbridge. They positioned themselves. They were master sharpshooters. They went into full negotiation mode. There was nothing was happening on that end. They tried to negotiate, but it was extremely well planned all the way through. In short time, they had trained for this. They had outpowered the pirates. They had outsmarted the pirates. They'd even convinced them to hitch the their uh, lifeboat onto their vessel, and they said, because we don't want you being hurt by the rough waters. And unbeknownst to the pirates, they were being slowly lured in closer to the vessel so they can get into shooting range. And before you know it, very quickly executed so precisely, so powerfully, one bullet each for all three pirates that had Captain Phillips. The other one had surrendered already, was on board, and they took him down like that. And it was over in 96 hours. Planning, smarts, power, and precision. God has a long history of a plan, of power, smarts, and a precision. The Christmas Great Rescue is the best example of that. He executed it perfectly all the way through. It's a reminder of his wonder, a reminder of his glory and sovereignty and power and strength. He has a long history of great rescues. They were all emblematic, symbolic of the one that was to come that we celebrate tonight. He had Noah and that family and eight that got rescued from a flood and everybody else had rejected God's call to save them. Moses leading the people of Israel out in an exodus from Egypt and those that came. And You have a woman named Esther and somebody named Mordecai who saved an entire nation because of their boldness and God being faithful to God. A famine, the people were rescued from a famine um, because they were uh, faithful through a man named Joseph. And so we, we have that God is in the rescue business. He has plans and he has thoughts and he has a way that's not our way. God's greatest rescue, I just want to give you some background. Israel had been subjugated under oppressive rule for 700 years up until the birth of Christ. 700 years under the rule of another nation. They had the Persians and the Egyptians and now the Romans and they were quite accustomed to it so they wanted rescue and they wanted rescue from injustice and oppression. 
there were 613 laws hanging on the back of the children of Israel at that time that the religious leaders had made in addition to the Ten Commandments and some of the other commandments of God. And there's 613, and this law buried them and burdened them, and they wanted rescue also. They wanted mercy and a lighter load and inclusion instead of exclusion. And you had the Greeks and the Romans at the time of Christ's birth that they had gorged themselves on vanity, on the things of this world, on famous philosophers, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, and they nurtured on that and they wanted rescued because they had no life and no purpose and they were always looking for something better and a better philosopher and a greater meaning of life and they never got to it and they needed a rescuer. They wanted to get out from the shallows and into the depths. 60% of Rome at the time of Christ's birth were in slavery. So you had a whole group of people who wanted rescued from their indignity and given back their value as men and women. Sometimes we don't need, we don't know how much we need to be rescued. Isn't that true? Like you ever see the story of somebody that's a building that gets condemned and they're going door to door knocking and telling everybody you have to get out and maybe it's because it's asbestos has taken it over, you're going to get cancer or the, or the structure is going to fall down at any moment, you need to evacuate and there's always that one place where they say, I'm not leaving. Like they're, not everybody wants to be rescued. It's me putting up my storm shutters for an incoming hurricane. I'm not the most capable guy on the planet, that is an understatement. And I had my aluminum, back then we have accordion now, by the way, but back then it was aluminum on the front and wood around the side. And, I, and I'm doing it, and I'm doing my best that I can. My hands are bleeding. I've got a, a drill in one hand, and I think it was going the wrong direction, and I've got a, yeah, that's true. Um, and it was a mess, and, and then my, my neighbor down the street had been watching me, and I didn't know that. And he was observing, and he was a really capable guy. And he came over with this little toolbox. And he said, Greg, need some help there, buddy? I said, no, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Standing there, I got blood coming down out between my thumb and my forefinger. I got it. He didn't believe me, thankfully. As I'm dropping the aluminum in my drill, he's coming in and doing it all in probably minutes where it would have taken me a whole weekend. And I was glad to be rescued, but I, I didn't really want to admit because of my pride that I needed rescuing, you know? God's rescue story beats every single rescue story in history. It's an amazing story. And if you really follow it and you go to the depths of it, it's so encouraging that there's somebody out there, a creator of the universe, that would so want us that he would mastermind with his planning and all his power and precision to come rescue a people that maybe wanted or didn't want it. I had a colleague uh, many years ago, he was, when I was in the workforce, and, and he was doing an assignment for his company in Brazil, and he got kidnapped. And, and in his kidnap, uh, they wanted ransom. It was a political kidnap. I guess that was popular back then, and they, they just wanted money for a campaign. But they put him in a jail, so they had this cohorted with and collaborated with local uh, law enforcement to do this, and they put him in jail and had it done. Well, anyway, he had, his company, a big company, had insurance for that, but they don't pay ransom. 
what they do is they hire mercenaries and they go in and they break you out of jail. True story. And so they did. They went into Brazil, kind of their own private mercenary for hire group, and they blew up the prison walls with great precision. They went in and found him and carried him out. That's a great rescue story, don't you think? But that is nothing compared to what God did on Christmas. That is nothing. It's a great story, but it doesn't compare. God had everything planned, and I just want to give you some of that, just a couple of them, not to bore you with all the details. There are so many. He had this planned out hundreds of years before. He even knew where he was going to have his rescuer born. He said, but you, Bethlehem, David's country, he says, this is the prophecy. He gave it to a guy named Micah. And he said, Micah, tell the people this. To David's country, the runt of the litter, from you will come the leader who will shepherd and rule Israel. Bethlehem, a nothing little place, a nothing little city, said, but from there will come the leader of Israel. Isaiah said that he would be born a Nazarene, which he was, went to Nazareth and where his family was from. Samuel said his bloodline would be through King David, and Matthew records with great precision that he came through the bloodline of a king named David. Malachi said that he would be preceded by a messenger that would come before him making the way, and he was, and his name was John the Baptist. Magi studied the scrolls. The wise men studied them and knew that in the, in the scripture, in the Tanakh, it said that a star, a light, will rise out of Judah. And they watched for the light and the times. And by studying the scrolls of the ancient scriptures, when the star came, they knew to go at that moment and to leave. It's an amazing story of precision, better than any Delta Force, Special Force, or SEAL. Nothing can stop God or his plan. God sent his A-team on this thing. He wanted to send the A-team, and so he picked his right hand, an angel named Gabriel. You probably heard his name. Maybe for some of you growing up in Sunday school, this is a fictional character because you always saw it in a cartoon. He is no fictional character. I contend that those that are his, one day you will meet him, and you'll know he was real. So he sends angel Gabriel to Mary and to Joseph and to the father of John the Baptist to a man named Zechariah. And at this point, we need to know before we go a step further, God is supernatural. He is not natural. You cannot understand him through these normal man and woman eyes. He is far above our understanding. And there is fear in his presence. When we think about Christmas, we look down in the manger and we see the babe in the manger and there is no trembling and fear in that. But I will tell you that there is fear and trembling in the reverence and the presence of a holy God. He said it this way in Luke. As he appears to Zechariah, he says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah was serving as a priest in the temple at the time. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. God said, I don't want to take a chance on this, guys. This thing is going to be perfect, so let me give you the name. And not only that, I know your wife, Elizabeth, is beyond childbearing ages, but I just want you to know, for God, see, you live in the natural world. He doesn't live in the natural world because he's above it. He said, so I want her, 
your wife to have a baby, she's going to have a baby. He laid down the law because he was going to have a plan that was precise and powerful and perfect in every way. Now, Zechariah pushed back a little bit, and the angel had words for him, and the angel said to him, hey, Zach, well, he didn't say that, but he may have. He said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. That's why he was so afraid of him when he saw. He didn't know why fear gripped him, but because he had been in the presence of God. Like, you remember the story of Moses in the presence of God, and he was so surrounded by light that he had to veil himself because the people couldn't look upon him. He said, I, I've been in the presence of God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. He's talking. He says, I'm going to give you good news. I'm sorry, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And that wasn't it. And so now the angel had another visit. He's not going to leave anything to chance because he wants to rescue the world. It's the greatest rescue mission ever. So he makes the next stop. And the angel goes to Mary. You know the story. I just want to preface this here and this next, that we see this differently. Science and nature are no match for God because he made them and he is above them. This is because I know how we think because I'm like you. I'm a, I'm a naturally, born, naturally born questioner, skeptical person. I want to know. Tell me. Give me the proof of it. But I've learned over the years about God and knowing him for 40 years that he is above my intellect. And I don't understand him. And I'm willing to admit I don't understand him completely. So then the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. I'm giving you the name. God didn't need a man to make a baby. I think there's a lot of women that would like that. Like, just thinking. He didn't, need a, he didn't need a man to make a baby. He said, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm more than enough. I don't need, I don't need your natural ways. I'm, this is a supernatural plan. And then he goes on to say, this is who he's going to be. This is the part we take careful attention to in our rescuer. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. And in other words, he will be the Son of God. He will be a descendant of David, and he will take a throne, but it won't be like any natural man throne. He's going to be a throne, and he will never be dethroned ever. He will have no opposition. He will rule with great authority over it all. And when he does this, when he rules, there is no end to his rule. It's a big deal. He didn't tell Mary, you're going to be, he's going to be a great doctor. He's going to be a lawyer. He's going to be a great political figure. That's what a lot of people were expecting, but it was so much more than that. The great rescuer needed more, and then he went, of course, you know the story. Gabriel went to Joseph in a dream, and he interrupted his sleep, and it must have been very real because Joseph didn't push back at all. Now, you have to keep in mind that this man is engaged to marry this young girl, probably 17 years old. And they're betrothed to be married. They've never been with each other. 
and now he finds out that she's pregnant or he's going to find out she's pregnant, what would you do? And if you were a righteous man like he was, a Tajik, you would definitely have done. But an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God is supernatural. We have a supernatural rescuer who made the greatest rescuer ever because he wanted you in his kingdom. Gabriel continues. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save or rescue his people from their sins. He's not going to make people sinless in this life. He's going to rescue them from the penalty of their sin in this life and rescue them in the future and make them perfect and righteous. And so God placed Mary and Joseph in perfect. Just imagine this plan. He's placed them perfectly where he wants them. Just like they did in the SEAL Team 6 had placed and positioned on the Bainbridge, had done the perfect negotiation, had laid it all out in their detailed plan, and God placed Mary and Joseph where he wanted them. He sent them first to Bethlehem, exactly where Malachi said that, or I'm sorry, yeah, Malachi said that they would be, uh, where the baby would be born, and then off to Egypt, where the scripture says that he would come out of Egypt, and then eventually to live in a home in Nazareth, where he would be called a Nazarene. All three of those, one, two, three, hit the scripture prophecies perfectly, because he's a precise God. The shepherds and the angels, they have to, go next and they got a surprise here's a surprise for you this is really significant i know we've heard it many times and every kid's story's got it in it and it's great and but i i just want to this one particular act by god at this night that we celebrate shows you his character shows you his heart shows you that he is bringing regime change complete change in the way this world works God decided to send an angel to shepherds. Now these guys, shepherding was a respected profession. After all, the, the fathers, great fathers of the faith were shepherds, and Moses was a shepherd, except at this time in history, they were the bottom of the caste system. They, they had a reputation for cheating and lying. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's what was said. But God chose to go to them he could have gone to Jerusalem and gotten to the Sanhedrin council and all the would-be religious leaders and said, hey guys, come here, i got great news for you. Sent his angels there, but he knew. First, they wouldn't have heard it. Secondly, he wanted to make a point. He wanted to change the order of the way that we think about who's important and who's unimportant. So an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord showed around them and they were what? Terrified. Why? Because when you're with somebody in the presence of God, you're terrified. God's glory, his very presence, his transcendence is right there in their midst. They're terrified because it is terror to be in the presence of God unless you know him and he knows you. When Isaiah, the prophet, faced God, he fell to his face like a dead man. When Moses was called up to the mount to meet with God, God had to hide him behind the cleft of a rock because he couldn't look him in the face. 
John the Apostle, when confronted by God, Jesus, he fell to his face like a dead man. John haphazardly tried to explain what it looked like to see God. He tried to describe him. And he described him. And one of the things he said is his face shone like the full brightness of the sun. His face was like the full strength of the sun. God, at that moment, he made a very big point. He said, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He's the Messiah. He's the one who you've been waiting for. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And this is what God did by appearing to the shepherds first. God took all those in the back of the line and he moved them to the front. All of you that are in the back of the line, behaviorally, in your mind, by your past scars, he has moved you to the front. That's the way he works. He says he calls out the meek and he calls out the humble and he calls out the weak and all those that are like child in their faith. And I like this next part because I picture it. I'd like you to picture it with me. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, what? Glory to God in the highest in heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Can you imagine this for a moment? He's going to these guys who are out there talking sheep talk. They're just doing, they're doing what guys do out in there. They're little buddies that get in them together. I don't know, Moisha and Benjamin, and they're just all talking, talking about how's, how's this chick, your, your sheep, the oldest, she wasn't looking good. No, she's you, she's about to you. Said, Whoa. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like your whole life changes, and like God's coming to them to tell them that the one that the world of Israel has waited for has come. And he's asking them by invitation, you go and see for yourself. The only other ones invited to this party were the, the wise men, the Magi. The earth, by the way, will be visited again by a great army of heavenly hosts. In Revelation, you've probably heard of that, the telling of the end times. God said that he will come again, that he will, he will come and everyone will see him, and he will bring with him, following him, a heavenly host army. So we will see that. Don Piper in his afterlife story, I, it's just, you don't have to believe it. It's, I, I believe very few afterlife stories, by the way, especially guys that make zillions of dollars selling books and making movies. But I, I do find his story credible. You may not. It's okay. I just liked that he talked. They said when he got there, he said there really were gates and, and they were like solid mother of pearl and they shined. And He said it was just unbearable and he said the light was so bright and I, and I met all these people that I knew, that I knew that, that had already gone before me and it was like overwhelming for me. And he said what was overwhelming is like, he said everywhere around me there was singing all the time, just singing, praising God. 
He said, I, I could feel angels ministering to me. And it was just like, I just pictured that for a moment. Like, it's so much better than we could ever imagine. The Apostle Paul said he was astounded by what he saw, and he didn't even have words to describe it. He didn't even try. Here's a great news. God gave us a rescue we would have asked for if we knew what he knew. He sent a rescuer. We would not have voted. If we had a vote to say, I, do we need a savior of the world back then? He would have, like, I, th I really think he would have lost, you know. Just like, I don't know that we really need a, a king. Jesus came to earth to bring as many as he could home with him. I'd like to give you a brief description of what Jesus knew and what God knew when he sent his son that maybe they didn't know back then. This is what God knew. That there is a home that's not here, that's forever. And in that home, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Brethren, this world is in decay. There's nothing you can do about it. Try all that you wish. It's going that way. What did God know? He knew that being home at home with his, him and his son is far better than your best life that you could ever live here. And he was coming for that. He knew that if you had billions of dollars and multiple homes and the boat that you always wanted and you had the life that you always wanted, that that didn't even compare trading that for what Jesus described as darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth, thirst, torment, and heat. He said, I don't want you to have that. So he came and he rescued a people to take them, make sure that their destiny wasn't there because he wanted them with him where it was going to be so much better. God knew that any sacrifice that you would make in this life, that you would get a hundredfold and more return in the next life. He even said that. He said, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. And there is no death or harm in God's home. I want you to hear this for a moment because this is just like insane. If you ever thought about it, maybe you haven't. Like there is no death or harm in the home that God lives in that he wants to bring us to, that he sent a rescue of four so that that could happen. He said it this way. God is speaking to a prophet Isaiah. It's not going to be on your screen. These are his words. He's talking about what it's going to be like there. And, and this is specifically in reference to what they're going to be like with animals. People always ask, there are going to be animals in heaven? Will my doggy be in heaven? Right? Your cat won't be there, but you'll be there. Yes. It's okay. I say it all the time. People know where I'm at. Yes, I know. You love your cat. It's okay. He says it this way. He said, in that day, what day is the day when we're all home with God? In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. Diehard enemies, predator and prey. The leopard will lie down with a baby goat, predator and prey. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion and a little child will lead them both. The cow will graze near a bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. Everybody will be vegetarian in God's home. Some of you have gotten a head start on that. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. There will be no knee pads or helmets in heaven, and you won't need to keep your kids inside. 
Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in my holy mountain, in my place. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. There will be a new heaven, and there will one day be a new earth. And all this thing that you think in all of its imperfection that you wish would go away will go away, and he will start this over. And it will be paradise, and it will be perfect. And he wants as many people as possible to be in the house that he has designed from the very start, like in the garden. God knew your soul. What else did he know? He knew that your soul could not be satisfied apart from him. He knew that no matter what we fill up our lives with on this earth, that it would no satisfaction apart from him. God knew that you would only really be safe in his arms and not in the arms of another bad romance or relationship. God knew that he is the security you seek and not the money and the things of this world that it has to offer. God knew that you needed to be valued and he said that you're so much more important than sparrows which I feed every single day and, and the beauty of the brush and the lilies of the field that adorn themselves like Solomon's garb. He said, you're more important than that. How much more do I take care of you? But I'll tell you, a successful rescue demands our cooperation. You ever see a rescue in? There's always something that you got to do. It doesn't. You have to grab the rope. Get the lifesaver. Grab the ladder. Like there's something you've got to do to cooperate with the rescue. Even Captain Phillips got a cryptic signal from, from the SEAL team, got a message to him to wear something bright. You have to do something. And there, there is a... There's a surrender because whatever you're holding on to, you got to let go of that in order to grab what God's given you. That's the whole thing about the great rescue. I'm letting go of what I got over here that I think is what I need to satisfy my soul, to satisfy my life, to give me all the happiness and everything that I want that's going to make me feel safe and comfortable. And God says, why don't you let go of that and just grab over here? Because it's a hundredfold better, not only in this life, but definitely in the one to come. So he does that. And so... Watchman Nee, some of you heard me tell this story. He was back some years ago in China. They were out doing baptisms in the ocean, and, and one of the guys that was with them, I guess, couldn't swim. And he was going down in the water, and he was drowning, and he's screaming, save me, save me. And, and next to Watchman Nee is an expert swimmer. And he looks over at the guy and says, save him, save him. And the guy just stood there, and he wouldn't move. He says, listen, and, he, and Nee is furious at this moment. Like, why don't you save him? And then when the guy finally gave up fighting and went down, then he ran into the water and saved him. And when he came back in, he explained to the people, he said, listen, you can't save somebody that's not ready to be rescued because they will take you down with them you got to wait until they surrender in order to safely bring them in. And I just see that picture. And Jesus said it this way. He used these words. Just listen to these words. He said, follow me, believe in me, obey me. So he said, 
He said, like, listen, I'm coming to rescue the earth, but I, I just need you to grab out and you follow me and, and believe in who I am and who I say I am. Just, you know, you got to let go of that and walk over here and obey me. Walk in my ways. Belief in God's great rescue changes everything. It gives you the hope and the peace that everybody longs for. You know the story Cinderella? I love it. It's a rescue story, isn't it? She's second-class stepchild. She's serving in her house. Cinderella, Cinderella. Do this, do that. She's got a mom. She's just really an a indentured servant. That's all she is. And she's second-class, and she's, she's not worthy to go to the ball. But yet this supernatural force comes out in the form of a fairy godmother and takes Cinderella and gives her a, a wonderful coach and coachman and, and gives her and adorns her with beautiful dress and glass slippers. And she goes and she meets her prince. And her prince is going to be her rescuer. And he knows, she knows that he loves her and she loves him. And this is her destiny. Yet she has to go back home to where she came from. She has to be back by midnight. You all remember the story's coming back to you, right? When she got back home, she wasn't any less rejected. She wasn't any less a second-class person in that house. But when you saw Cinderella back home, ooh, everything changed, didn't it? She's still sweeping, but now she's sweeping and singing. Oh, this is great. She's sweeping and singing and sweeping and singing, and she's polishing and singing, and she is joyful. Why? Because she has met her rescuer. And he's coming back for her. And she has totally changed her heart and mind. No matter what is going to happen on this earth, she knows that her rescuer comes. And I think that's, that's the story we have. This is a great rescue. It just changes everything. When you look in the manger, do you see a weak baby or do you see a ruling king? Because he's a ruling king. He's not weak. He's not fluffy. He's not cuddly. He's a ruling king. He's what John said that he was in indescribable words. It's, it's all of that. He said this, Jesus, his words. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He said that I have come to seek and to rescue the lost. Those that are wandering about who have lost their way. God gave Jesus a mission statement. Here it is. Let me read it to you. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came so that he could exchange his life for your life, that he could live a life that you and I could never live, that he could live the perfect life so that you could not and would not be able to. And so that when he went to the cross, that he took our place there. God rescued us despite our mistakes and despite the fact that we took some wrong turns. He did what we couldn't do for ourselves. He's like the great rescue of Jessica Lynch, if you remember that. She was one of the first soldiers in the, one of the first Iraqi uh, incursions, and she was taken out. Her detail had made a wrong turn. They weren't meant to see fire and action. But she and her detail, eight of them lost their lives. She, was, she lived but totally wounded and bruised and could not move, and she was taken to an Iraqi hospital held uh, as a hostage there until the special forces came in and raided the hospital and rescued her and took her out. She was helpless on her own to rescue herself, and it's the same way with us and God, that we are helpless on our own. 
It is by faith alone in him. That is the great message of Christmas. That if we put our trust that he is God, if we will confess from our mouth that he is Lord over all that we've heard tonight, if we will believe in our heart that he's Lord, if we will be rescued and allow ourselves to be rescued by him, that he welcomes us into his family. Isn't that great news? That we are welcomed into God's family, the God of power and precision that has it all, that he has come to this earth in this great force to bring us into his house. It's an incredible story. And I, my prayer for you is that you, you would let him open the door, you open the door, let him in, that you would let him in, that he'd be knocking at your door and, and that you would give him your life. It means confessing some things, saying that you're not worthy, yet you're, you know that you fall short. Everybody falls short of God's standard. You know that you can't be good enough for God. There's no one good enough for him. His standard is perfection. And so it's going to mean humility on our part. We're going to need to grab the rope of humility and say, God, I, I don't deserve this, but I receive you and I make you my God and I receive your forgiveness and he will wash away all of that junk. You will, walked out, you will walk out of here a forgiven person, completely forgiven, but you will change your ways and turn a different way. You may have taken a wrong turn, but God says, I'll forgive the wrong turns in your life. He said also that I am the light of the world. And that means there's a, you and I both know there's a lot of darkness in the world, right? Well, he is the light of the world. And he, and he wants to, to be the light in our lives and to remind us tonight that he is the light. And so would you take your candles, please? We're going to sing, O Holy Night. And Lord, I ask your blessing on your people right here, that Lord, that you would fill them with a knowledge of you and your presence, that you would make yourself known, that Lord, that you would nudge them in their sleep and through their dreams and awaken them in their own mind and speak thoughts and bring comfort that this message would be real to us all. We give you honor to the one who is above all the universe. Amen and amen.